0: Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. And we meet weekly. Can I turn up your sound, please? Thank you. Now you just disconnected everybody else. One second. If you had everybody back. Red people Here One Two Two Okay, thank you Sorry about that delay Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share We'll be weekly This week, Pasha, it's at a Nishmas Ephraim Rechenman Yom Nishmas Shmuel Yaakov Ben Mesha, Nishmas Chaim Ben Dorit Bas Moshe Levi And Jeannette Bas Ibrahim Hakoyim Sorry Pasha Re'e A Shabbos El the winds of El are blowing the El vint and shame. it's a another year another year gone by another year we need to take stock another year we need to simply delve into apply ourselves see where we're coming from where we're going another year to once again start with resolution to resolve all that we've done in the past this past year how to rectify it, how to fix it, how to improve on it. Not everything is negative. Baruch Hashem is positive in the world as well. But even in the positive vein, one needs to reflect. And one needs to say to themselves, what have I accomplished? El has many different, Rosh Tavison. Me, the word El has many different acronyms to it. One of the most profound is Anilid Daidivid Daidili, I to my beloved, my beloved to me. I to my beloved, of course, referring to the Jew, to the God, to God Almighty, and the Daidili is God Almighty to us. Sorry, one is to reflect and see where's my Anita Deity holding? Where am I holding with what I've done with how I've connected to God? Da everybody else here. Is everybody on this? I hope so. okay. My connection to God needs to be fortified. My knowledge of Ain Oid Mavadi, there is no one else but Him, needs to be solidified. We will discuss this in the Parashat Hashem. As promised, we need to discuss the Haftarah of this week. And as requested, we need to learn a Mishnah and Pirke Aves. This week being Perik Chamishi, the fifth Perik. Parsha Sre'ei, as every other Parsha, very, very rich Parsha. With different stand, different types of mitzvahs, kosher animals. The parsha begins off. I'm going to give before you today a blessing and a curse. Now the question immediately becomes: Please, Rebbeinu keep your curses. What do we need curses for? And why would Hashem tell us? He's giving us a bracha and a klola. If God wants to tell us that He's going to bless us, we're very happy to hear that. Very happy to accept that. Who isn't? But to tell us that you're giving us as well a klala, a curse. It's almost detrimental. Who wants to read further? What lesson, what message is the Taylor giving us? By giving us this introduction, I'm going to bless you and curse you. Over here. Okay. Trying to put everybody together here. Skype situation is not behaving. You're just in time, Scranton. Because Lady would have complained you didn't hear this. I'm giving to you the blessing and the curse. As I said before, at that point, I say, okay, I close the book. Why do I want to hear about a curse? Why do I want to be cursed? We have only a human mind. Our feeble human mind grasps barely what we're told even times that we're told things that we say sometimes we want to misinterpret we want to interpret it our way, we want to interpret it to our benefit we want to interpret it so that it makes it our, sound good for us and people's behaviors as well that way they behave and they do and they say things to people and they act to people and then if they look and they see somebody else doing that they say, who are they? what gives them the right to talk like that? did you hear yourself, sir? We hear things from people, from other people, and we start to get disheartened, we get hurt, we get f- feel whatever we feel. But, what the message here is, it tells us, you don't hear things from people. You don't see things from people. That's not where you're getting this message is coming from the message is coming from Hashem this person is the shliach so the messenger, when he's delivering a good message asheichem how wonderful for them unfortunately when you deliver a not good message you stand back a moment and say why why am I the one to have to deliver this message. The recipient, on the other hand, says if it's coming from Hashem, it's good. We're sometimes humiliated in public, embarrassed, or hurt, or whatever it might be. We need to understand how the balance works, the maila up above. How much of our Gehenna does this take away? How much time and purgatory will be lessened because of the pain that we're inflicted here in this world? Obviously we can't humanly grasp that. Something not good happens to us, something not good is said to us, it hurts. Your reaction Is what counts. Whether your reaction is to defend, to answer, to have something to put the other person in the place, whether your reaction is, I accept. Whatever Hashem is sending, whatever Hashem is putting upon me, I accept. This is my lot. The first Mishnah this week in Pirkyavis. Yes, I usually go Pirkyavis at the end of the, this year, we're doing the beginning of this year. with ten utterances. Hakadosh Baruch who created the world. What does this come to teach us? He could have created the world with only one saying. But it's so to bring retribution upon the wicked who destroy the world. That was created with these ten utterances. And to give reward to the righteous who enhance the world and help exist, sustain the world that was created with ten utterances. We're coming up with the same question again. Before we ask that question, we want to just bring up one point. In the beginning of Chumash Beresh, the creation says Vayomer. God said, God said, God said, let there be this, let there be that. It only says Vayemer nine times. So why does it say my Also, we have a halacha an interesting halacha if I buy a, an item it's not me if Ruvain buys an item for ten dollars but in truth it's only worth one dollar Shimon steals this item from Ruvein. The halacha is: Why is this black? The halacha is that Shimon needs to pay one dollar. He does not pay ten. What's wrong with my camera? Cape, I'm calling back everybody. Turn off your volume. Please turn off your sound. Thank you. Now you got the camera back and everything. Okay. So the halakha is that if the value of this item is $1. Even if you pay 10 it doesn't matter. It doesn't get you anywhere. The person only pays back $1. Based on this halacha, God created the world with 10 ma'amoris, so that the rasha, the evil, the wicked person, should be punished for every avera because of the ten commandments, the ten utterances of which the world was created. He sinned against them. So the first question I'm asking halachically: He could have done it in one. Could have done it in one. So why pay for ten? If I have an item that's only worth one dollar, even if I paid for it ten dollars, I only have to get paid back one dollar. So then why, in this case, of the ten utterances, when the world could have been created with one, should one be paid, should one be punished for ten Elomai. One needs to reflect. One needs to reflect on their own actions. One needs to understand and to see, as we said before, the aneichi. To see the aneichi and to see how the vadeidi li applies to me. How much I am dedicated and devoted. Although, there are ten punishments of the ten utterances, but in essence, the tshuva, the repentance, elevates it that much higher. the tshuva that one does when one repents for those sins elevates it that much higher because of the ten Mm -hmm. but in essence as we said before it says vayem only nine times so what is the ten? the ten is the bereshis Ten is the Bereshis. Bereshis Boralikim So the Bereshis that Hashem created the world with. This Bereshis is not dibur. It's Mashav. It's only thought. So the word that's the wording that's used in the nine times. is the nine of the 10 ma'mores, but the 10th is only machshava, only thought. Mm -hmm. So if we have only the machshava, one would think that that's the only way, that we don't really have something to be paid back or to be punished over, because it's only in thought factor. Tells us to Tera, that no, there are ten Maimonides. All the the ten, even the Machshava, even the one that's only in thought, Bereshis also applies to this. So that the ten that one can elevate, he can elevate completely, and on that much of a higher level. What are we elevating? What are we actually doing? What are we actually existing for? In the parsha, I'm going to take three different laws, halachas, that the parsha teaches us. One is bechagecho. One should rejoice in your festival. One is even more interesting. Shomer is aviv. Safeguard the month of spring. Pesach Pesakhla Shamadikha Make Pesach for God your God. Why? Kibachedisha Oviakha Shemalikhahim Dlailah. Because he brought you out of Egypt in the springtime at night. And a third, when he tats them as Mizbah, destroy their altars but don't do that to God you God. There's only three of the mitzvahs mentioned in this week's parsha. There's a mitzvah v'samachta It's a positive commandment, rejoice on the holidays. The Altarebbe describes this. For all the days of Pesach, Sukkis, Shavuos, a person is obligated to be happy. And in good spirits. Who? He, his children, his wife, and all the members of the household. All those who depend on him. As we said, this is a Mitzvah say, a positive commandment in the Torah. How are they caused to take a rejoice? The children, the says, you give them roasted kernels and nuts. The women, you buy them clothes, or the jewelry according to what your budget is. And the men in the times of the would eat the meat from the carbon Shlomim. Today, today's day and age, where unfortunately we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, we don't have the Karb and the rejoicing is only by drinking wine. It does not mean to get inebriated. Simply to drink a cup of wine is sufficient. Now the is wording, it indicates here, that simply by enjoying physical treats one genuinely fulfills the mitzvah of the teta of a samachta joyous on sanyaptev. We see of course that he says in the time of the Beis HaMikdash Shlomim and in absence of only a cup of wine but There's a solution for that, and therefore the drinking Mm -hmm. of the cup of wine fulfills this mitzvah. The Rambam, on the other hand, suggests that the joy we are obligated to feel on the holiday is spiritual. Not a physical one, a spiritual one. The joy of offering and eating the Shlomim sacrifice and the physical aspects of rejoicing are a secondary rejoicing. So therefore we see the Rambam, in Hilchah Shvias Yamtiv, Yamtiv writes, that even though, the rejoicing mentioned here, refers to the Korban Shlomim that was brought, and included in this is himself and his children and his wife, and all the members that are dependent on him? No, each one according accordingly. How so, says the Rambam we said before? The children with the roasted nuts or everything? Okay. What is the dispute here between the Rambam and the Al They weren't exactly contemporaries, it's a couple hundred years between them. What we're deriving from it, though, is this is involved with the delight in a divine revelation. The delight in divine revelation which we will receive in the world to come. The Rambam says in the world to come there is no body. Only a soul. The Altareber writes, however, he follows the opinion that since the observance of mitzvahs, what what do we do a mitzvah for? We do a mitzvah to refine ourselves. We do a mitzvah to elevate ourselves. To elevate our soul, even our physical bodies. So where's the reward in the world to come? How? When the body the soul is returned to its body, restored to its body. In the time, in the era of Triya the resurrection. So accordingly the Altareva rules, therefore, both body and soul equally experience the joy of Yamtiv, and therefore it has to do physically with eating, drinking, gifting. Watch and take care of springtime. Because spring teaches us about winter. What's, what is this all about? The teda commands us actually to structure the calendar in a manner that Pesach 15th of Nisan is spring and this is the uplifting message conveyed by springtime unfortunately during the months of winter in most places where winter gets frigidly cold Snow falls. There's almost no visible signs of plant life. When winter concludes, this process of growth that was till now lying dormant in the earth suddenly springs to life. And it becomes very evident to us that the lack of growth that we witnessed throughout the winter was temporary. To allow Pasha for nature's rejuvenation, it had a rest over the winter. And now, of course, a fresh crop of vegetation comes and blossoms. And thrives. When the Eden left Mitzrayim, when they left Egypt, it's a very similar message. The Jews suffered bitterly in Egypt. They were oppressed in body and spirit. Only later was it revealed, how refined this soul, how refined they had become. So much so that they were now able to receive the Torah 49 days after leaving Egypt. 50 days. The same is true for us as individuals. There are times, unfortunately, we experience in life a period that seems to be barren no signs of productivity, growth we must realize that this barrenness is almost certainly not a permanent reality it's a temporary stop of productivity of growth it's a break What is the break for? So that we can rejuvenate. And ultimately blossom and flourish again. Tells us the seasons that when you feel sometimes devoid, when you feel sometimes oppressed, when you feel sometimes that you're not Getting what you really want from your davening, from your learning, from your mitzvahs from your Aves Yisrael, from your tzedakah that you're giving, you don't don't feel it teaches us the Tata that yes, this is a barren time for you, but everything will rejuvenate, everything will bounce back, and everything will spring forth, as does the season. Of Chag Pesach, we were, reve- we were redeemed from the most horrific of exodus of exiles. They came into the Holy Land, and they found the people in the land were idol worshippers, and there were altars and all over the place. And therefore there's a commandment in the Tata Demolish their altars. Okay. I hear that. It makes sense. Demolish the altars that were used for idol worship. But then the Tata says something very very strange practically. But to God don't do that. Who would even think? We should go destroy the Holy Temple, God forbid. We need to be warned in the Torah to tell us, don't you dare do that. How? We know the Pasuk. We say it in Davening every day. Maggid <speaking> Israel. <in Hebrew> He declares His words to Yaakov, His rules, His ordinances to Israel, And the Maddush teaches us, Now those that say to do something, but they themselves don't, whereas HaKadosh Baruch, Baruch Hu, that God instructs us, He Himself fulfills His will. So God Himself observes, as it were, all the commandments and prohibitions of the Torah. So this raises a question. How did God allow the Beis HaMikdash to be destroyed? Say it to yourself, you're not allowed to destroy it. How did you allow it to be destroyed? Or send agents to carry it out? it's literal violation of the prohibition of demolishing even one of its stones so the whole temple how did God allow this he says himself he does what he commands us he commands us not to destroy how did he allow it to be destroyed Halakhically, according to the Torah law there is one instance in which demolition is permissible. And that's in order to make improvement in the And the Ramam emphasizes that one is liable to cause damage to the only if he does so with a destructive intent. To enhance the structure itself, however, Demolition is, is, is permissible. The same way we see, the same way we understand now, the permissibility of God sending agents to destroy the first and second temple. For the message states, Bo Arye, the lion comes. Hanetzar the king of Babylon and he rose up when in the mazel of Ari which is the month of Av and destroyed Ariel referring to the Beis Hamidash in order that the lion come during the mazel of Ari and reconstruct Ariel why and how did the lion do this? Only because he was ultimately going to reconstruct it. Let us first understand how this applies to us now. Aryeh, lion, is a Rosh an acronym. Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Heishanah Rabbah. This is the culmination of the month of 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 Arie, by doing the preparations in the month of El, doing what we need to do on Hashanah, how much more so on Yom Kippur, and finishing on Nishan So therefore we see the words of the Medrash. The destruction of the temple was in order that it was provisional upon and for the sake of the third Beis HaMikdash, which is being built by God. And therefore, the structure of the first and the second was not with destructive intent, for the sake of upgrading and improving the temple itself. So the first two were only temporary structures built by man, the third is an internal edifice. This et- eternal edifice was built by God Himself. So therefore by halachic standards the demolition of the first and second B'Shamidosh was not an act of destruction but actually the beginning of the rebuilding of the third B'Shamidosh. Another law in this week's parish should not eat things that are not proper. A very interesting halacha. A that a nursing woman that had to eat something that is prohibited should not nurse the child. She obviously ate it permissively. Because of Nefesh shalom. She was on the verge of shalom. God forbid who knows what. But still in all the item that she ate was davar Asr was a prohibitive item she should not nurse the child with milk produced from this food and therefore as there are those that say that apply this and they say what is brought down in the Medrash Elisha ben Avuya. when his mother was pregnant with him carrying him she ate from food that was brought as a sacrifice to idol worship and this ultimately brought about unfortunately his less than proper behavior but the dinners That if a pregnant woman even smells prohibitive food and says, oh, I would love to have that, you're allowed to give it to her. So when she ate this food, there was a reason why she took it. She wasn't eating it on purpose because she wanted to eat prohibitive food. She ate it because she had a tremendous um... Urge, not urge, I'm sorry. Pregnant women have these tendencies to all of a sudden cravings. She had a craving for this. and According to Allah, if the craving is so strong that it's going to affect her, she's allowed to eat it. So it was eaten permissibly. But it was not allowed, food that was not allowed to be ingested. So it's very it's stretching it to say that she ate something that was actually brought for a sacrifice of idol worship. Something that's Yarek Val Yavir. That one needs to la- rather die than to do it. And especially the mother says Nasnu Lama They gave it up from this type and they initiate it. They had to give it to her, she didn't take it. But still in all, it caused Elisha ben Avuya to be who he was. For the nature of the foods, of of prohibitive food is to cause the person to be like this. So even though she ate it permissibly, it had a negative effect. And we can't ask in that case, why does she not eat it? In the case of pekuch nefesh, why are we allowing her to eat it? You cut off aevim and cut off an organ, save the entire body. Same way also to feed a woman in such condition. So if that's the case, why are we having such a repercussion for it? But this is the reason why a woman that's nursing and eats something of this site of this type should not nurse. Because ultimately it has this ultimate effect. And the if you keep a score at home in Chagiga 15 side two, tells us On the possible yidbak Don't touch any of these things. And this refers to Abedis things that are And anyone that has any pleasures from these things is punished, is smitten, seldom. Twice. One because it says the yidbak piyodcha mu'umma So the Gemara, as we said before, Chagiga, the Vavah Medbei says, the Ahayel Reb Yechanan, Elisha ben Avuya, La'vira Gan Eden. Reb applied himself and put himself out on the limb to bring Elisha ben Avuya to Gan Eden. Yeah, and so determined. Why Rabbi was the one that was so involved in bringing out Elisha bin What was his connection to him? He had no connection to him as all, at all. Perhaps we could say that was said before the cause of Elisha bin was the result said. Many different things happened to him. And we can probably say that this didn't, there's no real difference what it was that happened to him. It all brought him to be what he was. But as I said, the first cause was already when he was in his mother's womb. On that basis, we can minimize a little bit his actual culpability. Since it was Pekuch his mother had to eat it. And if you keep your score on the mother, Yumalam and Hamad Bey says, Hilal Machayev anim, Hilal. Makes all the poor people culpable. Wow. How? Because when it comes to Bezen it comes to the court above, and the poor person is asked, "Why you did not learn Torah?" And he says, "I was so poor, I couldn't. I didn't have time." They tell him nobody was poorer than Hillel. And he sought to it to study Torah. The same applies here, with Rabbi Yechonon, where he sees the obligation, the culpability of Elisha ben Abuja. because he too had this issue with his mother. She smelled, and it was Yom Kippur. And she came in front of Rabbi. And he said, Go whisper in her ear. She probably fainted already from this, from the smell. And he said, Go whisper in her ear, it's Yom Kippur. Maybe she could still hold out. And she did. And therefore, the child also was able to withstand himself from his own tithes. We learned that from here came Rav Yechinan, the Imara and Yuma, keep his score at home, Pebezam at Bez, 82 side 2. Find therefore Rav also this smell, did not eat on Yom So nobody else in that case could have helped Elisha ben Avuya except for Abyechman himself. For he himself, Abyechman was Mechayev, I say. Abyechman was the one that said, judge according to Abyechman, he was culpable because he was able to withhold, he too should have been able to withhold. As you know, in Katega, not the prosecuting attorney cannot become the lawyer. This week, Shabbos is Shedish. There's two days of Shedish, as we said last week. We banished from Shedish, Shabbos. And we said there's two days of Shedish. Shabbos and the next day, Sunday. First Elish Hedish El, as you know in general, is connected with Geula. Which in the future will also be Elish Especially the Hedish El. For it comes immediately after Khidish Menachem of Menachem being the name of Mashiach. Who was born in this month. As we said before, the mazl of the month is Aryeh. We said, Yavai Ariei, Zakhadish Baruchu Hu V'yivna Ariel, and he will rebuild Ariel. The Beis HaMikdash. Also, Aleph the Rishchei El, the first day of Rishchei El, is always the thirtieth day of the month of Av. So therefore it is the culmination of the month and everything now is, we take stock of what went through the month. Even the not very pleasant things that happened on Tisha B'Av, etc. What were the reasons as we said before that Aryeh should come and rebuild the permanent Bayez And we spoke how Aryeh is the Rasha Tevis of El Rosh Hashanah in Kippur and Hashanah Hashanah. So Parshah A, where the redemption, the Geula, will be in a way of Re'iyah, and there's, Ein there's no comparison see, hearing to seeing. And we see at the end of the Pasha, Chag Asukas, Finishes off with Shmini Atzeres, and we know Shmini is connected to Geula. The harp, the kiner, in days of Mashiach will have eight strings, strands. But we see this also in the Haftarah. Even when Shabbos, the falls out on Rish so Although the A is one of the seven weeks of the Shivadin Akemta, as we said, this Shabbos, we will not say the Haftera of the Shivadinachemta ani Asira, we will say the Hafteira of Rish Chedish. And since also it's Makha Khadish, we will say as well for the first and last passak of Maha So the question becomes first of all, what happens to Aniyah Seyra? So that's a simple answer. Later, Pashaki the Haftarah of Shivad and is the psukim before Aniyah Seyra. So customarily, we read Aniyah Sayyidah that week as well. But the question still stands we need this Shabbos condolences. Because this is one of the seven weeks of condolence. Shivad and Where's our condolences in the haftarah. if you're going to be reading Rish So the Rebbe explains there are many different psukim in the haftarah which describe Geula. And therefore, ultimately... Give us the hope sorry and then a that we are re, that we need that we receive from Shiva Danachemta. From Posig Zayn to the Posig Yudalit in the Afteira. Betan Tokul Ya Lodha Batanim Yovid Hevel Long Vihim Lito Zachar. Before Tsiyin Feels the labor pain; she'll give birth before her labor pain comes, and she'll deliver a son. And again and again, the psukim discussing the world, the, the battle of Geiger of Geula. Simchas is July in bo. Gilbo. They view us a collake, me colagoyim, they shem. And at the end, we say the psuchim. Voyam me the shades behoche, me the Shabbos of Shabbatay. Yovai col Bosalish, Takaway Safonai, Omarashem. It will be then. Every first of the new month, every Shabbos, all flesh will come to worship before me, says Hashem. So therefore we see this haftarah, as well teaches us and gives us the strength of the Nechama which we so desperately want and need. But the Jews Taylor tells us in this week's parasha when the Jews finally do settle in Eretz Yisrael they'll be allowed to eat meat. Ki well, when you'll be far away though if you live far from the temple and you'll want to eat meat. There's a vaktah you should shecht it and eat as much as you'd like. And Rasha says, this teaches us that there's a commandment that we need to shecht. How to shecht. The halachas of Shechita. All these laws were said to Moshe in Sinai. The Balshema Kodesh, the Holy Balshem Tev, prior to becoming to be revealed as the Holy B'al Shem had many different jobs at one point he was a sheikhit, a ritual slaughterer that was actually his last stop he delivered bricks and cement and he was a teacher's helper all the different jobs that he's had the last stop before he was actually revealed to the world as the holy Balshantav was he was a Sheikhit. And as a Sheikhit, they called him Srolik. Srolik. Now that he had to leave to go lead the Jewish nation. One of the Jews sent his servants to the Sheikh to bring a chicken, the new Sheikh in town. Bring him a chicken to Shekh for me. A short while later, the servant comes back with a live chicken in a little basket. It was not in Scranton, it wouldn't happen in Scranton. Chicken goes out, he's finished. He says, Why did you have him Shekh it? He says, I'm sorry. Couldn't do it. Couldn't give it to the new guy. He says, Why? He doesn't know the halachas? You don't, how do you know that he's not an expert? Servant said, I'm sorry. In the past, when you sent me to Yisraelik, the Vashemtov, I saw his eyes filled with tears. And he cleaned his knife with his tears. Today, when I got to the shaykhit, he took his knife and he had to dip it in water and he had to use water to clean it. How can I give a it that cleans with water, not with tears like Sralik, how can I give him to slaughter a chicken? Shem should help. Yarchev Hashem is g'vulcha. Our boundaries, our borders should be broadened and we should be taken this very Shabbos. Shabbos v'shay el as our preparations start. We start to say the davar Hashem Eidi And on Sunday we start to blow the shefer as well. This very beginning we should start on the right foot and start with a new bias the perpetual, the the di- bias that can never be destroyed, the bias Ashlishi, the Yavai Ariel, Ariel should come and take us to Yerushalayim erakedish, good Shabbos and good Chodesh.